Hi, this is Cliff Kriego for the picture-poems.com website in the circle in the square. Thanks for tuning in. This is the Concert Mix podcast for Candlemas, the 1st of February, 2016. Altogether, there are 11 tracks this time. It runs about an hour. Uh, first up are two improvised pieces made back uh, last uh, November, Along the Way in Beware. Uh, set in their natural acoustic uh, environment. The second is a more formal set of seven sayings and prose or miniatures. It starts with a piece called uh, Natural Justice, just one of our many efforts of trying to clear the air of Aristotle. Number three is a, a new translation from the German of Rilke, a Springs Quellen, and we do that in both English and German. It's a short, uh, occasional, very beautiful piece. Fourth up is a new crow coyote made uh, just after winter solstice Christmas with that marvelous big full moon at about 5 o'clock in the morning, so it was very dark and is entirely improvised. Uh, for whatever reason, I don't like to write those uh, down. So Crow and Coyote are becoming good friends, sidekicks up at camps. So here they're discussing, believe it or not, the new V3 data rocket, a new uh, piece of software that's set to make um, surveillance and data collection a thing of the past. And even the great and late Steve Jobs and Frank Zappa put in a guest appearance. Five and six are from our new collection, Love is Round. And don't forget they're available on iTunes and, and what's that other one called? Amazon, yeah. So you can get all 21 long line sonnets as a collection or just download uh, individual tracks. The pieces featured, let's see, yes, uh, Hildegard Garden. That's one of my favorite pieces. And Fasnacht the night of mountain carnival, appropriate for this time of year. Seven is a new piece, um, very different in tone, with a four-voice vocal ground. It's called the uh, Thought Experiment. It probably deserves a little bit of explanation because it's uh, one of my um, uh, tre secco uh, sotto voce pieces, uh, a very dry, under-the-voice objective narrative poems. So they're very slow, they're very open, single phrases, and remarkably uh, without uh, emotion. So they express things, but then in a very silent, subtle way. It's about uh, space brothers, as the Native Americans call them, who drop down for those of Western culture, I think we call them aliens, dropping down from outer space some someplace. They have a different way of looking at time and space, so it's not difficult for them. They drop down to our beautiful planet Earth for a visit and for a planet-wide experiment that they have a simple way of, it's a kind of drug that they administer. It only lasts for a few days. But remarkably, it stops all conflict in the human realm, it turns out. 
So we're treated to a Space Brother vision of what Earth looks like without conflict. Number eight is a new translation from the Dutch, Circle, uh, Cerkelope, uh, from the great uh, uh, Dutch poet about 100 years ago. I think the piece is from 1908, Albert uh, Frevey. It's about 10 years before the Rioja. Nine is for a kind of complementary winter movement, 17, 17 step poems, deep snow, from the collection of haiku, I call them 17 step poems, uh, winter paths. And as a kind of coda for the poetic part of the podcast, uh, we feature Departure Tree. It's a longer lyrical poem, and is really coming out not so much of the mountains of either North America or the Alps, but is more the great um, white oak, tall grass prairie country of Ohio in Indiana. As a serious uh, essay conclusion, there's my piece uh, written in its rough form all the way back in 2011, but because of fear, intimidation, and any number of limiting factors, it's been published on the web. Uh, it's my piece about what I call the uh, American Putsch, uh, severe clear about the events of 9-11. Uh, As some of you may know, uh, with the Theater of the New, we do a number of what are called resource dialogue pages. For example, there's one for whitebark pines in the whitebark pine dieback or collapse. There's one for a world without nuclear. There's one for quinoa production, one for hemp production. But there's also a, uh, a page for 9-11. It's just at picturedashbones.com slash 9-11. And it's highly recommended, I think, to one and all that uh, a dialogue resource page brings together exactly what it says, the resources for interesting, sometimes highly contentious, like 9-11, or sometimes highly, or, you know, for example, hemp, um, uh, cannabis production, uh, but also uh, tragic things like uh, the world without nuclear that many people are not aware of, or white bark pine uh, collapse. In this case, I uh, sense the space as a kind of room, a kind of gallery that one lingers in for a while. And I tell friends that, well, you only need to spend about 15 to 90 minutes and go through. And I'm pretty much sure, certain, that you'll come out with a totally way, different way of looking at uh, the official story of 9-11. Severe, clear, sketch of an American putsch. Let me know what you think. Signing off for the picture-poems.com website in the circle in the square. Thanks for listening. This is Cliff signing off. Ciao for now.
Along the way, misfortune has been one of my greatest teachers. Poverty, a most reliable asset. Doubt, a constant companion. And insecurity, the one that keeps me awake, entering the pathless land of the unknown. Beware of white cloaks that preach peace while practicing abuse and violence of the most insidious kind. Armies take your land and tell you they're giving you democracy. Cartels take your resources and tell you it's the free market. While Rome colonizes the soul and calls it liberation. Natural justice, justice we can say that sympathetic resonance is the beginning of love and compassion in the physical world. We might also say that there are physical principles which are the beginning of a kind of natural justice as a way of fair and equitable distribution, not merely of resources, but more importantly, of living space and creative life potential. Three key features of natural justice we already see present in the environment generally are freedoms of movement, a place to be, and equitable, non-centralized distribution. These three freedoms taken together might be seen as a species' basic rights, for without them, it is impossible for the natural intelligence of adaptation to work. Freedom and Limits Highways exist to move traffic, as internets exist to move bits, and economies to move goods. All three are paths of movement, of exchange, of communication, and with all three, 
Freedom flourishes only when it is strictly limited by simple, universal, clear, unambiguous laws. Without clear limits, the worst and most brutish of our natural tendencies shall come to rule the many roads that run between us. A footnote to the picture poem's calendar. The Internet and World Wide Web are the great and revolutionary common ground of the 21st century. Open, free access, both free of charge and free from arbitrary restriction, should be guaranteed constitutionally and paid for in the same way as the roads are paid for pictured here. Dialogue in the Unknown Dialogue is like a journey we make together on foot. Where we do not move as one, we simply stop and start over again. Thus, dialogue, like science, is essentially self-correcting. As we watch together our attachments, watch how we identify with our opinions and ideas, and watch how this holding onto the mere past, the known, makes us trip, makes us fight, makes us head off in totally mistaken directions, missing altogether the great and marvelous adventure of the wild, the uncharted, the wholly unknown. In complementarity, movement strives naturally not so much to the opposite extreme, but to the balance of the dynamic mean. In balance is the transcendence of duality. The way of masculine force and control always moves in a straight line. For it, the slow feminine curves of the meadow meander are just a waste of time. Nature knows no contradiction, no conflict, no waste. A religious or spiritual life, therefore, has nothing to do with scripture or belief or gods of any kind, but rather is simply the deeply held intention to live a life without contradiction, conflict, or waste. Image on the calendar. Sonogram of a wolf tone on a cello. Natural model of what happens when two tones speak against or contradict each other. In acoustics, this offers a striking and singular example of incipient conflict in uniquely human terms. That is, a contradiction held indefinitely, without resolution, by our thought and thinking but now in the physical world.
The Square of False Rationality Inside the square, discussion is neat and orderly, clean almost. This is because truth and the whole angry horde of assumption-threatening details are kept systematically at bay, far beyond the walls of the square. Inside the square, discussion will continue until the unavoidable moment arrives when an avalanche of contradictions breaks down the walls. Or, alternatively, until we step firmly and resolutely out of the square. Springs, a poem by Rainer Maria Rilke, read and translated by Cliff Griego. Springs, springs, they rise to the surface almost too quickly. What wells forth out of the ground, hallowed and bright, from the crystal, let the shimmering light sweep out so that it may walk with us to the marked stones of the meadow. Yet for us, what is our reply to such gestures? Oh, how are we to divide water and earth? Quellen, sie munden herauf, Beinahe zu eilig. Was treibt aus Gründe herauf, heiter und heilig? Lässt dort im Edelstein Glanz sich breiten, um unseren Wiesenrein schlicht zu begleiten? Wir, was erwidern wir solcher Gebärde? Ach, wie zergliedern wir Wasser und Erde. It was a cold December morning, just past solstice and Christmas. There had been a wonderful full moon, which is a slight trace of a cosmic dissonance with the planet Venus. A coyote was resting after a night hunting with friends 
the field mice that are abundant this time of year. There was a bit of new snow, so he had made a comfortable little bed and was resting and looking at the last glimmer of morning stars. To the east, he could see brother sun just starting to emerge. And wouldn't you know it, interrupting his morning meditations, here comes Crow in a flurry of excitement. Did you hear? Did you hear? There's a new, there's a new noisemaker on the internet. It's supposed to generate so much noise that it's better than being anonymous. It's better than encryption. It's, it's, it's a revolution, I tell you. A noisemaker. It affects everything. Cookies, search, everything. Coyote fluffed a little bit of new snow off his collar, shook his head. Crow, what on earth are you talking about? You're early today, off to the office? Yes, there's a new deer carcass over there, but it's far too cold, it's, it's, it's frozen right now. So we're waiting a bit. But no, this is exciting. Where did you hear about this? You've been reading that high-tech desire magazine again. Well, yes, there was an article. It showed Larry Page and Sergey Brin. They were both looking at their iPhones with a look of, 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 what should I say, deep concern. And Coyote said, echoing deep concern? Yes, you see, there's noise in the data. There's noise in the data? Yes, you see, everything we do on the internet leaves a track. And Coyote said, like snow. Yes, it's like snow, but no, it's not like snow. Snow forgets, you see. But it used to be for people, people, you see. They're so caught in thought and so ignorant that they live by desire. They used to say, time is money. And Coyote echoed again, time is money. Yes, I remember. Time is money. Very strange thought, that. And Crow said, no, no, no. It's no longer time is money. Now it's data is money. So, everybody's kind of catching on, you see. It's not just old Ed Snowden coming with the NSA reports. I mean, the government is clueless anyway. I mean, who's going to work for the government? They just have all these second-class programmers. If you're good, you're going to go to Google or Facebook. Ten times more money. Prestige, the whole works. And they're milking that data 
for what they can get from it. And just imagine that. There's no time involved. It's just machines. They watch everything we do. So, somebody, nobody knows who they are. The article in High Tech Desire was very unclear where it's coming from. But it's called the V3 Rocket. V3 Rocket? Yeah, it's kind of a joke. Tongue-in-cheek. You know, crows love that sort of thing. Vergeltungswaffen. Drei. And that's, you know, Crow looked at Coyote, now with eyes of deep concern. Crow, you know I don't speak German. What does that mean? You know it's just a joke. Like Werner von Braun going to the moon, destroyed, almost destroyed London, with his vengeance weapon too. But this is going to be different, you see. It's not about getting even. It's about ethics. And Coyote said, Ethics? What does ethics have to do with data? Ethics? Well, Crow said, People, people, they basically living totally without ethics anymore. Just look at the state of the world. Just kill, kill, kill. More money, money, money. You know, no ethics. Forget about the Pope. It's all fake. Just no ethics. And there we have Google with their proud do no evil. You know what Steve Jobs, may he rest in peace, said about that. And Coyote looked puzzled. Oh, yeah. That's just a bunch of bull. What did he say? Uh, excrement. Quite right. And now the V3 rocket is going to set that straight. Not do any harm. That should be their motto. First, do no harm. That would change the world, Google. First, do no harm. And Coyote started to ponder that. Now that's interesting. But they would say to us, where's the ethics in nature? We have no ethics. But then, Coyote, in his philosophical, reflective way, said, well, wait, there is, we have ethics. Reciprocity. Money in nature is mutual benefit. Yes, yes. And take only what you need, not what you desire. Yes, this is interesting, this B3 rocket. But how does it work? Well, according to the article, it's very simple. There's even a rock song, kind of out of the great Frank Zappa. May he also rest in peace. He's up there in the sky somewhere, having a good time, looking down, still saying, hydrogen's not the most abundant element in the universe. It's ignorance, ignorance of thought, by golly. And he's up there, and somebody's written a song. It's called Noise in the Data.
Now just imagine all these people that are scooping up all our tracks. And Coyote said, scooping up our tracks? Yes, they track everything and put little secret cookies everywhere so they can follow your every move. Coyote echoed, our move follow? Ah, and he reflected on the blessing of new snow in December. Snow doesn't just fall in chapters. It lays down a page every day. Timeless almost, the world beginning anew. Pure white, erasing the steps and missteps of the past. What freedom there is in that. That's ethics. A kind of timelessness. There's beauty in that. And then Coyote echoed again. First, do no harm. Prima non nocere. Ah, Coyote, you know I know no Latin. But that first, do no harm. That would be a change, Google. So anyway, they're out there scooping up all our data. And why do I want some NSA guy knowing that I like pink underwear with a photo of Ronald Reagan and Margaret Thatcher not the buttocks? Or why do I want some executive in Apple knowing that I'm out there listening to YouTube 10 hours a day? No, I tell you, there must be a secure anonymity better than encryption. And Coyote echoed, better than encryption? This B-3 rocket, how does it... It's simple. It's simple, Coyote. It works like this. That it's a little app. You just place it on your phone or any device. And it spews out. You can dial in a payload just like that new B-51 nuclear weapon. If you want lots of boom, you'd set the dial high. Low boom, just put it low. So what it does is send out random searches. And Coyote said, random? Yes, like, you know that you're looking for baby bottles, and then you're looking for uh, Beatle records, and then you're looking for a new pair of winter boots. It just makes it, just selects it at random. So the search engines will have absolutely no idea of what you really want, or what you really read, or what you really like. And they both thought together at once, aha, like, yes, I see, Facebook will be next. And Coyote reflected again, there's promise in this. It's like a snow every day, just erasing the tracks we make. And we start afresh, a new page. First, do no harm. V3 rocket, there's noise in the data. 
Zappa would like it. Jobs would too. We need our freedom, said Coyote. We don't want to surround ourselves with the barbed wire of the past. Our searches should indeed be private, said Crow with a flap. Now I got to get off. It's getting cold tonight. That moon, it's still ours. We don't want a Google logo up there, do we? And Coyote said, no, we sure don't. We got enough problems with people caught and taught here on the ground. And with that, Crow alighted, flying not into the east into Brother Sun's light, but off to the west, where he knew in that remarkable crow memory exactly where he and his comrades had found their winter cache. Such delight. How does the saying go? The bird flying west leaves no trace. Hildegard's Garden, a long-line sonnet, composed and read by Cliff Kriegel. From the banks of the river Rhine, returning salmon paws, pondering great cycles of green, blue, and golden light, pulsing above a convent on a hill, shimmerings of sound, visions from a more subtle realm, from the lips of women rounded in ahs and o's, O Grace of Maria, O Axis Mundi, modes of but one crystalline amethyst flow, from North Sea to the heart center of the uncharted Alps, a river flows, whole, heal, heal, water heals, Sound heals, plants heal. O walled garden paradise with beds of wormwood and yew, hyssop, skullcap, and rue, do we translate arte as virtue or excellence? We hear the discussions of the feminine, of wild-eyed girls dancing in circles around the moon, of salmon running upstream, following a silver ribbon of sound, spanning from sea to stars, into places we've not yet seen.
Fasnacht, the night of mountain carnival. Drumming out the bad spirits of mean men winter, screeching at them with a whir of horns and pipes, marching down cobblestone streets and under bridges where monstrous demons tend to congregate. This is the music of the anti-divine, anarchy's orgy against an excess of sanitas. Recompense for the far too much of not enough. Where all is fire, all is noise, where all is chaos. When Kronos readies to castrate the patriarch. The Pope belches and strokes the buttocks of his favorite Swiss guard. Let the wretches have their night of fun. But the children know better. Faces painted for a holy war they take to the streets. This is the night that shall balance all the rest. Thought experiment. Imagine we are naturalists. We come from a different planet in a different solar system, in a different galaxy. For us, it's not hard. We see time in space differently. So we hop around and explore. Earth is interesting. We've been here before. Our drug, 
it permeates instantly. We have a different view of time. Instantly, the entire life sphere, it's good. It's interesting. We have no ill intention. Our drug instantly stops conflict. So we study what moves and what doesn't. All of nature keeps moving. The streams flow, the trees grow, and the birds fly. We have no ill intention. All conflict is frozen in motion. There are many species of conflict. We've been here before. The young mother with her babe in arms continues to laugh. The children keep playing they hardly see the frozen grown-ups around them. The cars stop dead in their tracks. The fighter planes frozen in motion. Why, there's the Pope, frozen like marble. The president, a bronze general, on his horse. They do not move. That interests us. The subtle species of conflict. We have no ill intention. We've been here before. Ah, look at Parliament. Just like clay statues in a Chinese cave. They do not move. And there's Wall Street. Ah, even the screens do not flicker. They don't notice a thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
but we do. We're simply curious. We have no ill intention. We call it the circle of love. It moves everywhere. When the rest stops, we call it good, a miracle. our main subject of inquiry. We've been here before. Until the next time. Psycho, a poem by Albert Vervain, read and translated by Cliff Griego. Psycho, I am a spark without goal, without direction, thrown into the universe as my journey began. Before long, another sun bound itself to me. In turning, I lived for an unmeasured while. A kernel of life, empty in itself, full of the energy that in and round me spun. Oh, that I could, without knowing for centuries, turn within the ungrasped radiating rose, endless world, unfinished universe, in without beginning, but where each part image is of the whole, in the light show along the eternal ways, tell me, shall once Shall ever there be an end to your steady fire? You, a diamond in the hollow of a hand. Circle lope, and it's blank real. Ich bin ein Funk, die du los, richting los, 
geworpen in het heelal mijn vaart begon. Toen bond me Aldra aan zich in andere zon. In Vintelend leef ik ongemeten poos, in keren van leven, in zichzelf een foos, vol van de kracht die in en rond mij spon. O, dat ik zonde weet en eeuwig kon wintelen, in het onbegrepen stralen roos, oneindige wereld, onvoltooid heelal, een onbegonnen, maar waarin elk deel beeld van het heel is, in een lichten speel langs de eeuwige banen. Zeg, zal eenmaal, zal ooit, zijn het eind van uw gestaagden brand, gij diamant in het holle van een hand. Winter Paths, Deep Snow 1. The blank page of freshly fallen snow Where shall our first new path begin? Two. How deep snow heals, the old wreck of a car is gone, almost gone, the cross. Three. In one single night, the rudeness of machines in straight lines is erased. Four. Children in snow go together, try, make, break, play, angel, snowman, wings. Five. Cars hate snow, stuck, skid, flip, swerve, won't start, crash. Oh my God, I'll be late. Six. Snow means slow, quiet, peaceful. Cars mean fast, heavy, Get out of the way. 7. When two movements bite or fight each other, this is called contradiction. 8. The field mouse tracks go hop hop, straight line of tail, never leaves the snow. 9. The snow machine's tracks cut ruts in the snow. Its sound, smell, carry miles. 10. The silence of snow is deep. If we listen, we too become silent. 
11. Overcast again, new snow tomorrow. Good day for lichens and moss. 12. If snow comes and goes in winter, then you're not in the right place for snow. 13. The white death of snow comes fast. He went to the barn and never came back. 14. The way of snow shows never trust the man who is absolutely sure. 15. Today's traverse may be tomorrow's trap. How hard this art of waiting. 16. After storm, new snow. All the old paths are gone. Time to begin once more. 17. See the primrose nested on south-facing rock. The patience of deep snow. From Fireweed Poems Departure Tree The sound of a farmer knocking on the wood of his kitchen table. You can hear the fact that the truth of love is never lost. Physical things some precious, some more like habit, come and go. But the sound of knuckles on worn wood somehow remains the same. His grandfather made it, his father made it, and knowing full well his wife no longer hears it, and that the neighbors and houses standing in fields they once farmed together do not care to hear it, he makes it now alone. Then he stops, listening, looking down into his morning coffee. His father used to tell him the story of how, when the settlers first came here to clear and plow the land, what enchanted the natives most was the taste of the settler's sugar. As a boy, he always wondered by what sound by what word they would have called it. The sound of voices, thank God for radio, the price of soybeans and corn. White oak, the straight tight grain of long dry summers, black wormholes that a man of words might ponder, all the polish of work that breathes, folding into the rich fields of the present moment. He touches the wood, 
still hearing his grandfather's voice preaching to his father. Even God's got to have a stick with two sides. They were talking about the government then. War, freedom, money. Some things are always the same. Taking the metal cup off the cooking stove, spirits rising with the smell of boiling black coffee, he shakes his head and asks out loud of himself, When the cup is broke and no more use, where does the circle go? He can still hear them laugh. That's how they talked. Sweets are always the first things missed and the last to be forgotten. of an American Putsch. On the altar of God, I pledge undying hostility to any government restriction on the free minds of the people. Thomas Jefferson. History's race between education and catastrophe. H.G. Wells. Know where you stand, unstand there. Father Daniel Berrigan, Jesuit priest, peace activist and poet. The key that unlocks the mystery of 9-11 is the collapse of WTC Tower 7. Two towers were hit from the sky. Three collapsed. Tower 7 was the third. All three towers collapsed symmetrically, straight down, into their own footprints, totally pulverized, at nearly free fall speed. See Dr. Stephen Jones below. The obvious visual evidence alone suggests that all three towers were brought down in exactly the same way, caused not by the objects that hit them from the sky or the ensuing fires, but by means of controlled demolition. This in turn suggests weeks of careful preparation, placing charges with military precision, and using materials like nanothermite, capable of cutting nearly instantly through massive steel beams like a hot knife through butter, and available only to a handful of military experts. See documentary with Danish scientist, Niels Herit, below, for. If this is true, then the official account of 9-11 is clearly false. And if the official account is false, 
we clearly urgently need a new map of view that can make sense of the events of that day, one which converts the deliberately generated vortex of confusion into a crisp, clear, irrefutable outline of evidence, motivation, and means. Now, putsch is an old Swiss-German word. In contrast to the descriptive tag, terrorist attack, a phrase which has by now after a decade of incessant repetition burned a hole of fear and dread straight through the collective psyche of humanity, Putsch suggests that we are dealing with enemies not foreign but domestic. Putsch literally means a thrust or blow, like we imagine the charge of an ancient Greek phalanx or spear-shaped squadron of, say, 100 men, weapons pointed forward charging headlong into the opposition. The 9-11 putsch, then, can in a similar way be seen as a violent overthrow from some unknown and hidden center of power within, or closely aligned with, but in subtle ways independent of, the official U.S. government. What would constitute motive? Why would a small group of, say, 100 men, do this? Well, for the same reason putsches have always historically taken place. Power, resources, and control. And the complementary fear of the loss of power, resources and control add to this the likelihood that this homegrown axis of evil was almost certainly energized, I would conjecture, by an as yet unknown species of radical Judeo-Christian fundamentalism giving the participants a sense of absolute necessity, or a kind of highly irrational but compelling, inescapable perceived duty or debt one owes to one's God, giving justification for doing bad things for what is in an highly disturbed and psychopathic way seen as the greater good. Now, what would constitute means? Obviously, it would involve a small cadre of officers within the U.S. Air Force, backed by a handful of religious, ideological zealots, and assorted other, captains of industry. Philosophically, in my view, what is of utmost importance from the outset is simplicity and clarity. What is needed is the simplest view possible capable of bringing all known facts and evidence together in one coherent way. At the same time, it is of equal importance not to get lost or sidetracked in endless speculation and discussions concerning lower-level detail. I would suggest that the collapse of Tower 7 should be more than enough reason to restart a new, independent, international, Nuremberg-style criminal investigation. The 1999 Dr. King murder trial offers an interesting example at present. Truth and justice are being pursued in an unprecedented way via the web, essays, books and other journal publications as well as any number of films of varying quality that have been made widely available on YouTube and elsewhere. One damning documentary after the other has been produced, becoming ever more sophisticated in scope, thorough in evidentiary analysis, and more professional in presentation. Entire academic departments have now opened ongoing studies and inquiries of their own. This dialogue resource page attempts to, in an open and participatory way, bring the best of these materials together in one free, 
easily accessible, public place. If it is true, that the collapse by controlled demolition of Tower 7 is the key that unlocks the mystery of 9-11, the fact that the key has not been resolutely grasped and turned, and that the mystery has not been fully resolved, has become a kind of both touchstone and mirror for the at present disturbed spirit of our age. Like other primary problems of the current era, such as the spread of nuclear weapons or the climate crisis, the unanswered questions surrounding every aspect of 9-11, whether we like it or not, reflect our integrity of character, or lack thereof. It does so by how we choose to act, or how we especially choose not to act. The logic is simple. If Tower 7 was indeed brought down by an internal coup and not a ragtag collection of Arab jihadis, then the raison d'etre for an entire decade of a so-called war on terror has been a complete and utter fraud, from beginning to end. This means that, all the massive debt incurred, the resources wasted, the lives lost and still being lost, and the nations destroyed have not only been in vain, but have more importantly been the direct, horrendous outcome of one single, ruthlessly violent, act of deception. At the same time, the mirror which is 9-11 holds an ominous warning. For if true, those behind the putsch are almost certainly still active and plotting, and obviously becoming more and more like rats forced into a dark corner as the worldwide drumbeat of the demand for truth grows ever louder and closes in. It is also a warning that Act 2 is most likely being prepared as we speak. Remember, as always, their calling card, their brand, is fear. So it seems obvious, at least to me that Act 2 of this invisible group of determined putschists will be a faked, self-generated, cyber-attack that at once shuts down the whole of the by-design open structure of the Internet and the World Wide Web. The one instrument that they could not have possibly foreseen and now threatens them most, and provides yet again the urgent reason to move the world one step closer to a total breakdown of freedom, democracy, and the rule of law. Severe clear is an aviation term. I grew up flying small airplanes, and had enough hours to get my license by the age of 13. For weather so pristine and so clear that it almost hurts the eyes. 9-11 was such a day. What we need now, however, is clarity of an altogether different kind, not of weather, but of the light of truth. This must be a pursuit of truth so fearless and scientific in spirit that it is willing to, in a sustained, non-violent, unserious way, follow the facts, no matter how disturbing they may be, wherever they may lead. Cliff Crago 3.23.2013, the WALLOWAS. See more at http colon slash slash picture dash poems dot com slash nine one one slash hash saint hash dot qbl zero kwjg dot dpuf
Thank <laughs> you.